following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Broadcasting from deep inside the forests of Arborea, welcome to Flash Gordon Minute. Presenting your hosts, survivors of the Wood Beast Trial, Brad and Eric. It is the final minutes of Flash Gordon Minutes. Eric, it's we, we we've been all it's all been building this. How are you doing? I can't believe it's finished. We we survived this. This is truly amazing. Folks, you don't understand. These aren't easy. And we've been able to do it with... And we've been doing it three days a week, which on one hand makes it easier, but on the other hand, really stretches out the process. Yes, it means we've got to find more guests. It means that the time it takes to do the whole show lasts longer. You've got to... uh, You have more record dates that you have to uh, schedule. Um, so our recording sessions are shorter because we're only doing three days instead of five, uh, which I know neither Brad nor I had the fortitude to do five, by the way, which is why we did three. Oh, but it killed uh, us. What it killed I, us. Just, just no way. I mean, there are, I, I don't know if people could pick it out, but, uh, you know, by the, by, by, by recording session three for each week, sometimes I was really starting to fade. <laughs> um, Eric and I, are both, we're both family guys. And we like to record when the kids are asleep. So we start recording at 9. Often, we, we've gone p- healthily past 11 many times. I, I honestly, how, I, I, we, we could probably count on one hand how many times we finished before 11. I think we pretty much always go past 11. And, you know, people, we, ha- we, we have day jobs. This is our hobby. You know, we both got to get up in the morning. Often, I'm lucky. Um, I have the option to work from home. Several times I was not planning on working home on a Friday. It's like I, if I work from home, I can spare myself an hour of sleep. I'm working <laughs> from home. Uh, but yeah, we 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 did it. No guest today. This is just me and Eric. We've earned yeah, this. We have. Uh, so uh, let's dive in. Talk about minute one ten and going into a little bit. There's an extra. It's like one ten and fifteen seconds. Yes, technically, folks, we are do. We're, this is our one cheat of the show. We're technically covering minutes one ten and one fifteen today because one fifteen is about fifteen seconds long. But it literally is just the closing graphic and then the thing that says this movie is rated PG. So, uh, w- really, what the hell were we going to talk about if we made that its own separate episode? So we're sort of back to the opening credit music. God, it makes me so happy. It's just really excited when I hear that sound. That dun 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 dun. It's so effective, and it's a great way to just tie together and just com- complete the loop. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, or the, be, before we get into our uh, big closing show, I hope you people listen to the whole show. We got some cool stuff we put together for you. We're 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 going out uh, on top. We're not just going to say, "Oh, here's the credits." Okay, thanks, bye, everyone. We're giving you a good last show. We're rewarding you. Those of you who are sticking with through us to the end. Uh, but before we get to that special programming, a uh, couple of couple of closing credits things I wanted to call out. One of the things that always fascinated me as a kid in these closing credits are the names of some of the women 
that are the background characters in the movie. Here, as we get near the end of the cast, we've got roles like Aquarian Girls, Serving Girls in Ming's Chamber, Exotic Girls in Ming's Chamber, Phrygian Girl, and a lot of them only have one name. I know! What the hell was that? I do not know. And as a kid, this absolutely fascinated me. That there's like half of these women in these background roles all are one name. I specifically have a note here that the... First off, it's just great. The exotic girls in Megan's bedchamber. Yes. And it's (laughs) Gina, Raquel, and I think it's Faye? F-A-I. Yeah, I think it's Faye. And I was like... Why? Why do they not have last names? I don't know. And here here are all of the one-named women here at the end of the credits. Sophie, Sne, which is my favorite, S-N-E-H, Sne, uh, Magda, Shaka, Lindy, Viva, Jamelia, Sunanka, and then the three Bradges named Gina, Raquel, and Faye. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I would love to know what's the deal with that. I mean, I know there are some mo- like you know, like there was like a like Vendela. I know there are some models that went by one name, so it's. Po- I mean, and you know, most of the women in the back of this movie are very attractive women, so they may have just found a bunch of models to throw the wacky costumes on and stick in the background. But just the 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 ratio of one named women to two named women is just very high. Yeah, it's it seems like a choice and probably a choice that these poor actresses were not thrilled about when they saw the closing credits is like, this is, <laughs> I had to wear that stupid outfit for two days while you were filming this. And you can't even bother to have my last name of Hickenbottom in there. Well, see now I think that I, 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 I see it the other way. I think that this is what they chose to want to be credited as. If it was one or two, I believe that. But when it's so many, Hmm. It just seems like a hell of a coincidence that 15 women all said, is like, I don't want to have my last name. <laughs> I, I've been in shows with people who decided to go by first names only. And uh, during my during my uh, community theater thing, one of the guys, his name was Fred. He's like, That's the credits, it. I want to be Fred. I was like, seriously? That's, that's not a sexy name to go by. <laughs> like, ah, I want to be different. It's like, eh. Okay, so but that's just one person. It wasn't like there were six cast members all like I will be. I'm just Bob. I'm just Susan. It's like, but pick a name, man. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I would love to know that. It, that was something that popped out at me as well. Basically, that's I have three notes. <laughs> the, 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 the opening credit music. The, the last music we hear was the first music we hear. The girls with only one name. Uh, oh, actually, two more. Also, it was um, they have that that end credit thing that always shows up. All these characters are fictional, basically saying you know any uh, resemblance to real characters. It's just basically text saying these characters aren't real. It's like no kidding. <laughs> it's like I did, I really didn't. I no no. I knew that. I, I promise I knew that. I didn't think Ming was that. I didn't think this was a documentary. <laughs> How amazing if it turns out it was. Oh, man, there would be egg <laughs> on my face. <laughs> and then it all ends. This last sound effect, we hear an explosion. It's like, 
damn right. Can't end can't end this movie with any other anything else. Perfect perfect sound to end it on. Yeah, it was so cool and yeah, that's and that's basically all I got. <laughs> It's just end credits. Did you have any other notes? Uh, a couple of others. Uh, we're really going to get to pad our Star Wars crossover actors list um, because in the list here uh, that credits the the actors uh, who play the dwarfs, uh, we're going to now get to explode our Star Wars crossover actors list all the way up to 16 because we've got Kenny Baker, who, of course, is R2-D2 uh, and also was Paplu the Ewok. We get Rusty Goff who played the immortal Gonk, the original Gonk in Star Wars, uh, also was a Jawa and Cabe. That's one of the uh, cantina creatures uh, in the original Star Wars. We get Mike Edmonds, who was Logre the Ewok, an Ugnaught, and also did Jabba's Tail. And then we get a whole bunch of Ewoks from Return of the Jedi. John Gavin, Malcolm Dixon, Richard Jones, Mike Cottrell, Peter Burroughs, and John Lummis. So right at the end here, uh, they were they were those dwarfs, uh, the guys with the swords that um, were sort of multicolored. Uh, one of them sticks his sword in one of the soldiers' butts. One of them kicks another soldier in the leg. They're they're in there a lot. So lots more Star Wars people there. I guess it's just the thing if you're a little person that gets into movie business, there aren't a lot of roles, but right. if, if there are, you're getting it exactly. All right, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only other note is I want to. I, I like to call out that uh, some of the roles here. The last, uh, the last group of people in the credits are simply credited as Ming's Brutes. I love that. Oh, I love that too, Ming's Brutes. What a great title! Uh, who were you? I I played Ming's Brute in uh, Flash Gordon. I love that. Uh, and my last uh, official last note of the movie is that this movie is MPAA number twenty six thousand and thirty two. Yep, rated PG. Rated PG. In case there was any care, it would have been PG-13 if they uh, had a chance to redo that. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the end of the movie. That is the end of the movie, folks. We, we but it's it. not the end of the show. No, uh, Eric had a lot of great last episode ideas. They all sounded fantastic. Um, what should we do first? All right, let's do the toys first. This right. is, I think I think this will be fun. So um, I came up with this bit before we even recorded our first episode. Uh, and then uh, guest Tim Blevins was on back in minute 70-something. And he mentioned how there were no toys made for this movie when it came out in 1980. And considering I'd already had this bit planned for months and months, and I specifically wanted to do this bit in the last minute of the credits... Uh, the whole bit was almost completely blown then. Uh, so instead, I just kept my mouth shut. I let him riff, and I didn't say a word and was able to save it uh, for this minute. So here is... I, I'm going to break this into two two parts here, Brad. We're going to first talk about what toys have been made since 1980. And then I want to get into if this movie were made today or if the movie, when it was made, if it had gotten the Star Wars treatment and gotten a full line of toys... Uh, we can, you know, have a little fun and see what what they what what would have been done in the toy line. So, first, here's what's been done uh, since 1980. There's something called Biff Bang Pow that has come out with two different lines of figures. They've got the classic three and three quarter inch figures, and they've got Flash Ming, Baron Aura, and Voltan. But then they also have seven inch figures, and with that, they've got 
a whole bunch of variations. They have Flash in his Flash shirt holding the football egg. They have another Flash where he's got the sword. And they have a third Flash at that size where he's got a gun. Then they made two Mings in that size, one in his black outfit and one in his red outfit. They have two Dales, one in a black dress and one in her white dress. They have two Barons, one with a gun and one with a whip. And they have two Clytuses, one with a, a regular Clytus and one with the death face. Mm. With oh. the eyes and tongue sticking out. That's gross. Yes, mm. that is very gross. Yet if you Google it, it is also surprisingly cool. Uh, then there's something called Dorbs, which has a flesh and a ming, and they're, they're, they're kind of weird looking. Uh, you know, you, everyone can Google these things. I'm not going to try to get involved with describing an audio. Uh, and then Funko Pop uh, has four Flash characters Flash, Ming, Voltan, and Clytus. Now, I bought Clytus and Voltan. Clytus was the. F- I only. I own four Funko Pops, and it's the only four I own are the four Flash Gordon Funko Pops. I bought Clytus was the first Funko Pop I ever bought. I bought Voltan before the show started as well. Um, my wife and kids then surprised me by getting me Flash at some point during the recording of the show, so I decided that I would treat myself uh, as a as a. Uh, when women give birth, they get a push present. Uh, I decided to give myself a MXM present when we finished, and I bought myself the Ming Funko Pop. And in a parody of the horrible uh, YouTube videos that kids these days watch that I do not understand whatsoever, where you sit there and watch people unbox toys on YouTube, I have no idea where this came from. My kids watch it. I do not know the, the appeal to this in the least. I am now live on the air going to unbox. You can hear the audio of me unboxing my Ming the Merciless Funko Pop. Here we go. I've opened the lid. There's the plastic coming out. That's the noise of the box dropping on the floor. And now I'm pulling Ming out of the plastic. And... The Funko Pop Ming has been unboxed. Thank you. All right, folks. If you just think about what's happened to your life, where you've made it through a hundred over. A, you've made it through a hundred and ten episodes of this show. Not not, and that's not counting the bonus episodes. To listen to a box being opened. <laughs> and think about my sanity that I just did that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it feels good. Has that you, uh, that that new Funko Pop smell to it? Yes, nice bald head. Absolutely. He's got. He's holding up his ring. Once again, everyone, you could just Google what the Ming Funko Pop looks like. It's, it's insane. You have a vaguely racist-looking Funko Pop. <laughs> yes, he does have the eyebrows. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> Watching this movie, they could have done a lot with toys because there are so many costume changes. So many characters, and they really could have gone full Star Wars with this because Flash wears I don't know what five. He has five outfits. Yeah, he changes a lot. And then you know, of course, Aura and Dale they change costumes twice as much as that. Uh, Ming <laughs> has a bunch of outfit costumes. I mean, that's something that sometimes is really obvious in movies. I want to say, especially the later. Of the original run of Batman movies, where Batman, uh, Batman and Robin was especially terrible because at the end they wear their Mister Freeze fighting costumes, and that was obviously just something to have a different toy. Mm. And um, 
I know they've been showing some uh, images from the next Spider-Man movie where he w- they show him wearing a different sort of stealth uniform. It's like, oh, okay. I'm trying not to think this is just predicated on the toys, but there's a good chance that the toys were definitely a factor. It's like, hey, we need a, like a cool second costume that kids will buy the, the action figure for. But that's really a part of Flash Gordon. And costume changes are a part of this. Right. So it, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel like Flash Gordon if he was just wearing the same tattered outfit the entire film. And especially Ming and Aura. They should be in different outfits every Absolutely. Every scene. So tell me what uh, tell me what you think. Here's what I came up with, Brad. Here's for, I, I first I I think here's characters that I think definitely would have gotten action figures. I think uh, to your point, I think there would have been three different flashes. I think we would have gotten him with the name T-shirt. I think we would have gotten him in that uh, guard outfit he wears when Aura helps him um, escape. And I think we would have gotten him in the red-black tank top that he wears at the end. I think we would have gotten two Mings, uh, the red costume, of course, and then I think the the sort of more warrior one with the, the, the sword on his side and the black the cool black helmet on his head. Okay, okay. Uh, for Dale, I think we would have had her in her original outfit, uh, the blazer uh, that we see her in the beginning, and then uh, her wedding costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think those would be... Uh, uh, especially girl action figures are never particularly popular. Right, right. Um, um, then Aura, although I think would have been given a figure that would have been very popular because it would have been in line with the Princess Leia slave costume, she certainly would have had her the costume we see her when she first appears. Uh, and I think she would have gotten a second one, the red costume she wears uh, through most of the rest of them. If this movie had been just 30% more popular, there would still be, you know, young girls in their 20s wearing wearing aura costumes every Christmas. I mean, every, maybe every, every Christmas. Wow, what? You got a fun house at Christmas yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Every Halloween. Yeah, absolutely, sure. I mean, the movie came out three years before Return of the Jedi, and there are still women at all kinds of cons and at Halloween wearing that costume, sure. Yeah, if it just would have been 30% more popular, that that would... And and I guarantee you, somewhere in America, there is a girlfriend who really loves her boyfriend dressed up as Aura right now. (laughs) It's a birthday present. Well, well, good for you. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> Saying, Toby, I, happy birthday. This is the only time this is going to happen. <laughs> Toby, a random name there. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, then these following characters, I think, would have all gotten just one. Uh, Zarkov, there's no reason for him to have a second action figure. Uh, Clytus, I think, would have come with the Psycho Flying Death Orb as an accessory. Uh, then I think... Uh, Kala, Baron, uh, Fico, Voltan, Biro, a pig guard, a lizard man, the Arborian priest, uh, the skull face soldiers, one of the football fight guy soldiers, a goggles guy, and the captain of War Rocket Ajax. Yeah, and those would all be great action figures. Yeah. They would all be great action figures. It's a shame that it didn't happen. Yeah, and those are the ones I think that there definitely would have been. And then because I'm so obsessive, I thought there were other ones that, like, if they really went nuts like Star Wars did, and they, when Star Wars really started getting into the really B-level characters, here's some other figures that if the movie just exploded, I think we could have gotten. I think we could have gotten definitely a Munson. 
uh, Prince Thun, Luro, the Colonel of the Battle Room, the Wedding Priest, Hedonia, uh, the little guy who sticks the football fighter with his sword, the Doctor, Fellini, and the Lieutenant of War Rocket Ajax. Yeah, I think you could. With those characters, you have to buy some doubles of like pig guards and stuff. You could reenact this movie. And there would be a YouTube series of somebody just reenacting the movie with those characters. <laughs> and of course, what was Star Wars without its vehicles and play sets, however? You didn't just have the action figures now, Brad, of course. So I think that we would have gotten the Hawkman rocket cycle. I think we would have gotten War Rocket Ajax. That would have been like the big one. That would have been like the G.I. Joe battleship of the set that you know almost nobody had because it was it cost like eighty dollars or something like that. Uh, I think we would have gotten Zarkov's ship from the beginning. I think we would have gotten Clytus's amazing looking ship with the cool bug face, and uh, probably Aura's ship too, since uh, they got uh, you'd, be, you'd have the the feature where the telepathy things pulled down on their heads. Uh, and then I think three play sets. I think you'd have Ming's Court. I think you'd have the Hawkman City Battle Disc. And I think you'd have a uh, tree stump battle playset. One thing that I and I would like to see this. If so, uh, I think you could have an interesting board game esque thing of Wood Beast. Ah. And what I'm thinking of is my kids got a game called Pie Face. Oh, I've seen ads for that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I've been hitting with a face full of. Yeah, we told our kids cream. we're not getting that game. <laughs> it's it's gross. Uh, but the people not familiar, basically it is, is you, you, you put your head, he, there's a headrest and like a ter, ter, thing that you turn. And if your number's up, it smacks you in the face with a plastic hand filled with whipped cream. And, uh, it's really irritating. My kids love it. Um, until they got tired of it. It's one a game you get tired of really quick, but I can see a wood beast game where you just put your hand in. And each turn you take, and then eventually, and there'll be something like a little zap or buzzer or whatever, or something that puts a like a mark on your hand, and that means you lose the wood. I would, I would, I think a wood beast, uh, you know, a wood beast game uh, would be played at college parties everywhere. Kids would get it could kind of be like Operation. It would yeah. work. Operation, but you know, kids at a party. Drinking too much, <laughs> doing whatever else they're doing, watching Flash Gordon, and then having a Wood Beast game, and then involving shots in it somehow. <laughs> that or co ed slowly taking their clothes off because, yeah, you know, that's what kids 18 to 22 a, a, do. A, a, a strip Wood Beast game. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guarantee to you it would happen. All right, so that's that's my fantasy uh, toy line uh, from 1980 Flash Gordon, and I've been I, I literally came up with that the idea like 11 months ago and sat on it the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most prep we've ever done for an episode. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually people, but let's lift the curtain for a minute. I emailed Brad my ideas for this final episode since it's not really discussing a minute, and I actually then said. I know we don't usually prep like this, but just, you know, I, I want to make sure that, you know, this, these ideas will make sense since we're not, we're not doing our usual format. Now, um, Eric, it's been amazing doing this show, and uh, you and I put a lot of work into this, and um, we are the faces of Flash Gordon Minute. But we, we got to thank a lot of people because, yes, we do. you know, it, it's not just us. Before we do that, I, I, I am going to spend a minute here uh uh, uh, kissing your butt, Brad. 
because I might, I, the first thank you from me has got to go to you um, because you thanked me at the end of a lot of episodes for sparking the show and for being a good co-host. Uh, and it's actually much to my discomfort because I'm one of those weird people who doesn't take compliments well. Uh, but I could have ended up with another host. I mean, you know, I, I, I posted just something out there at random in the Facebook group for makers of Movies by Minute podcasts. Uh, and you know, Brad was the first one to respond. And, you know, fortunately, we spoke on the phone and we hit it off. But I cannot imagine this show having been nearly as good as it was with a different co-host. Uh, I mean, just everyone, I want everyone to know he handles all the recordings, all the tech stuff, all the, you know, connecting to the guests with various software programs. Um, and aside from maybe two or three weeks where I helped edit to lighten his load, every single episode was edited by him. I mean, the dedication uh, that Brad has shown to get this product out there i know we discussed it on the air before but the week when he episodes when he sat in a garage in his car with his kid and his and a dog and recorded the three episodes i mean if that's not dedication and i gotta tell this this was not mentioned on the air brad moved during the course of the show his family sold their house bought a new house and he was prepared to record episodes the week that he moved and I actually had to tell Brad, Brad, we can take a week off. It's okay. We'll, we'll just we'll push everything back a week. You're moving. I actually had to force him to not record that week. So uh, you know, I, I I thank you very deeply uh, for being a great co-host and a great uh, partner uh, in this venture. Well, I just remember when um, we had our first conversation. Um, yeah, just and it's just sort of a. You know, a chemistry test to make sure that you know we, we we talked for 20 minutes and it wasn't an uncomfortable conversation and, and uh, I remember talking to my wife afterwards she's like oh how'd it go it's like it's like uh you know hopefully everything will go well he seems like a hell of a nice guy and I think I could really enjoy talking with him and uh that has been the case uh, we we've been uh, we're just real lucky the that, that we've been able to connect on this and uh the, the friendship and the relationship is not over um, this is, you know, not the end of, uh, Eric and I being, um, working together. Um, as has already been called out, uh, Eric's done some wonderful interviews, um, that have already, two out of three have already appeared on, um, Cosmic Geppetto podcast. By the time this episode comes out, the third will probably be on there. Uh, and Eric knows that he has an open invitation to do whatever he wants, uh, and there's a podcast home for it. Uh, on Cosmic Geppetto, so uh, we've been real lucky, um, and I've been really fortunate. I've just had a great time, and I I can't thank you enough for, you know, hel- helping all this happen. And I'm glad I've been able to contribute, and uh, I, I'm I'm real proud of what we've done. Yeah, I am too. Um, make sure you play some sappy music under this as we're saying. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> uh, let's get to the thanking. Uh, let, let's get to the thanking of of the non the non two of us. Um, I, I, I don't think Brad will disagree with me here that the first people that must be thanked are incredible wives, Allison and Heather. Uh, it cannot possibly be easy being married to someone hosting a Movies by Minute podcast uh, because we're annoying and we need quiet and we talk about it. And I, I, I can't speak for your wife, but I know my wife might have seen Flash Gordon once in her life, so it's not like she even knows what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, but... She surprised me today uh, to congratulate me for finishing this venture. She bought me a six-pack of MGD, 
Miller Genuine Draft for all you non-Wisconsinites. Uh, the, the, the beer of choice for my uh, second uh, adopted home. And uh, I have been drinking one of those beers uh, as we record today's episode. Uh, and so uh, I, I cannot thank her enough. Uh, and, of course, my kids as well uh, for their support and in doing the show. Yeah, uh, Heather's always been wonderful uh, supporting the podcast efforts. And, uh, you know, thank God I have a mute button. Because there have been many times when we've been recording where uh, if I didn't have the mute, you would hear, like, some little some little feet coming up to me. It's like, Daddy, what are you doing? And me, like, Heather, get the kid away from the microphone. And then my poor wife saying what I'm sure she never thought she was going to have to say when we got married. Her saying, is like, guys, you need to be quiet. Daddy's recording a minute-by-minute podcast about Flash Gordon. <laughs> that was not in the vows. So I, I completely agree. Our wives have been superstars, and uh, the, the 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 understanding of our families is uh, greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, then let's get to our incredible guests. Um, you know, we we really, you know, Brad lives in uh, the Philadelphia, built uh, Baltimore area, that part of the world. I live in New York City, um, and. We have not just had guests from New York and Pennsylvania. I mean, we've had them from literally all over the world. You know, Canada, Japan, Scotland, England, all over America, California, Iowa, Ohio, Utah, Oregon, Colorado, Georgia, Illinois. So it's just it's been great getting to know and speak to uh, this wide group of people uh, from all over the place, sharing our love of this movie. Uh, And so uh, here's a big thank you to all our guests. Here we go. Let's see if I can get through this without tripping up. Sean German, Rachel Gatlin, Adam Sheehan, Murren Kennedy, Jessa Lowe, Eric Jack Nash, Crystal Beth, Niall McGowan, Katie Shea, Ryan Clary, Jonathan Howell, Joey Infante, Jake Clark, Jarf Harden, Kathleen Mocklin, Julia Ingham, Rick Ingham, Travis Bowe, Joe Stuber, Carol Pinchevsky, Rory Spence, Jack Stovall, Jeremy Vilmer, Andrea Peterson, Curtis Blaze, Molly Balin, Charles W. Chuck Bryant, Tim Blevins, Sam Stovold, Matt Oberg, Kevin Young, Joseph Scrimshaw, Robert Black, Graylin Hughes, Alex Robinson, Andy Robinson, Rich Drees, Rob Pratt, Barry King, Mike Dunleavy, Susan Hill, and KJ Valensic. And of course, our two interviews that we actually got, Howard Blake and John Morton. And uh, just so you know, folks, even though the show's over, we're actually still trying to get some other people, so hopefully... We'll have more than that, but obviously a huge thank you to Howard Blake and John Morton, two people that worked on this movie and were gracious with their time uh, in allowing us to interview them about their experiences. Yeah, they were amazing. Uh, so generous with their time. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I remember when we talked with Howard Blake, and it was a fantastic conversation, uh, and he, he wanted to keep talking, and there was an awkward moment. It's like, this is a long-distance international call. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I actually wouldn't mind wrapping this up because this phone bill is going to be astounding <laughs> um, of those people we, I do want to give an extra special thanks to Murren Kennedy and Jessa Lowe uh, they have done voice work for this show including uh, our intros uh, they, they did some intro work and over the last few weeks they were also nice enough to supply some extra outro work um, and they're great. Uh, they're amazing uh, actors and did some great voice acting. So they were great guests. And also, um, uh, they, they, they're always uh, willing to go above and beyond. So I got to give an extra second shout out to them for that. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. And let's also uh, talk about, speaking of the intro, at the very beginning, you always hear us, we say how this is uh, uh, Growler, uh, Growler Media production. Uh, uh, and uh, let's thank uh, Bobby Flores, who runs uh, Growler, uh, for including us on his uh, podcasting network. Yeah, and uh, we always, yeah, and uh, as Eric said, we always uh, thank Growler Media. You know, we always have that this is a Growler Media production. They really stepped up for us because um, there's an expense to doing podcasting, and uh, you have to pay for the bandwidth. And um, Bobby reached out when we said we wanted to do this, and he offered to have us part of their family. And, um, you know, he listened to the first episode. He liked what we did, and uh, he's been also wonderful. He gives us help when we need it, but he's also been very hands-off. We've never gotten a note from him at all about content or guests or anything. He's been fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Bobby. My last thank you, of course, uh, who every Movies by Minute podcast uh, should thank, uh, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer, the guys from Star Wars Minute, the guys who started this whole idea, who's created the genre, who have spawned now more than 110 other movies getting the movies by minute treatment uh go to moviesbyminutes.com to see them um they are not just the people that founded it but um i consider them to you know i've, I've said it before star wars minute is my favorite podcast uh they are good guys they are entertaining alex of course was a guest on our show so it cannot thank enough star wars minute alex and pete great guys um alex was nice to come on the show and he was an amazing guest. Um, so, very, very cool. And, uh, you know, that sort of ties into something else that you want to talk, uh, that, that you want to discuss and encourage, Eric, where there's 110, at least, minimum, uh, movies by minutes. It's a lot of fun to do, and it's a great way for people to examine these movies. And we have some great listeners out there, and we've had some great guests. You all have movies you love. And there's always room for more. And, uh, you know, if you're you're looking, if, if you think, hey, I could do this, you can. And you should. And, uh, I, Eric, I, speaking for myself, but I think you might agree with me, we're willing to help. If you need some advice, uh, if you need to know how we do this, the technical aspect, eh, shoot us a message uh, via the Vortex. Because uh, we, we want to encourage this sort of... Uh, more of this content and uh, getting more people involved in this world. Podcasting's fun. Absolutely. Uh, I, 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 I have been contacted by a listener who, who is going to be starting an MXM and I did give him advice. And, you know, uh, the Movies by Minute community is so inclusive and so welcoming and so helpful. There's new people coming in that group on Facebook all the time saying I'm new and just dozens of people respond and say, oh, you know, what do you want to know? We're here to help. Um, you know, Doing one of these podcasts, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. I don't want to uh, downplay that, but it is a lot of fun. It is incredibly rewarding. I consider this a bucket list item, having completed this show. Uh, and, you know, really, I bought a headset on Amazon, and I brought my cell phone with me to Comic-Con to conduct interviews using the voice memo function. Honestly, if you can find a partner who's already got the technical setup like I did with Brad, that's all that you need. So it's really as it's it's hard to do in the sense that it takes a lot of time and effort. And, you know, it's not easy to be entertaining. 
but it's not hard to do in the sense of like, oh, I, you know, I would have to get so much stuff or I wouldn't know where to begin. There are people that will help and you really do not to get, I literally, all I have ever bought to do this is the headset that's on my head right now. And it lasted the whole show. I didn't even have to buy a replacement. Uh, I'm lucky I have a, because uh, I've been podcasting for three years between the other shows, but I have not spent a ton of money on this. Uh, I, I have a decent um, microphone from uh, uh, and uh, I have a wireless headset because I used to always have a wired headset plugged into my computer and I was always knocking stuff off my desk while talking because I moved too much when I podcast. But yeah, you can do it with uh, with your home computer and a $30 headset and you are good to go. And, Absolutely. Uh, all the other stuff, there are people that are willing, more than willing to help. Um, and you know, shoot us an email, and we'll be uh, we'd be more than happy to share our experiences. Because uh, over the my course of podcasting, I made every mistake you can. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on now to another fun part of the thing here. Now that uh, we might have put some people to sleep with that part, uh, I decided to create some Flash Gordon Minute Academy Awards, uh, and I. I apologize in advance. I, I couldn't come up with something for every single guest. You heard how many guests we had. I just listed them off. So nobody get angry or insulted if you're not in this list. I just, you know, a goofy thing for a bunch of people that for moments that stood out to me on the show. So here we go. Starting out. The Hall of Fame, but also Hall of Shame Award is going to go to Sean German. Uh, he is in the Hall of Fame because he named the Flash Gordon Minute listeners Vortex. Uh, and he was our first guest. However... He gets the Hall of Shame Award because he also went into the Flash Gordon Minute listener's vortex, admitting that he was behind on listening and accused us of not discussing Richard O'Brien when he showed up in the movie. <laughs> However, we actually had. He just hadn't gotten to that minute yet. So, uh, Sean, Hall of Fame and Hall of Shame Award. The You Just Blew My Mind Award goes to Rachel Gatlin and Adam Sheehan uh, when they said about uh, William Hookins, boy, that guy looks like he could have played Porkins. Brad and I, after an uncomfortable, after an uncomfortable uh, silence, said, that is the guy that played Porkins, uh, and they, their, their worlds just exploded. It's one of my favorite moments in this show. <laughs> it, one of my favorite moments of podcasting. Yeah, that was such a great live moment, because you and I just were like, because um, uh, it was early on. I mean, this was like the first 10, 15 minutes of the show, so, you know, we were still b- building on a rapport. It was like, uh, the that is Porkins. The it's an incredibly small world. Small world. Ugh, we're at the end of minute one ten here. The it's an incredibly small world award goes to Crystal Beth, who in just chatting uh, in the middle of one of our episodes, we discovered played a character in a play that had some interesting encounters with another character in the play that Brad played in a different performance of said play. Yeah, it's um. Uh... Another favorite moment of podcasting, and I played that clip a couple times on Cosmic Geppetto, where I realized that we were both in the play Blue Room. Different productions. I've never met Crystal Beth before, live in person, but it, in the play, my character, I'm just going to say, motorboated her character. <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome. It was just so funny. Because, and... Eric thought I was completely full of crap. He's like, oh, you guys planned this. It's like, no, we had no idea. Uh, uh, yeah. Crystal Best awesome. Uh, Brad, you're getting an award. 
you're getting word for something that I just mentioned. Uh, for the being in the van with the kid and the dog, you win the Podcasting Under Most Extreme Adverse Conditions Award. That was insane because we dropped Heather and two of the kids off in the aquarium. But my younger son was not in the mood to go there. So it was me, him, and the dog and the Baltimore City Aquarium, Baltimore Aquarium parking garage recording <laughs> with with a guest by the way who was in the uk it's so you know add that into the technological marvel there that, and i was surprised that episode came out really good yeah it was incredible uh the you shattered my world award jonathan howell who for his entire life thought uh ming was asking clitus are your men on the right of hills and we informed him no he's asking are your men on the right pills it was so heartbroken was very heartbroken. And that almost became a bit. We were talking about Ride of the Hills for a while afterwards, but some bits just die. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You can't force the bit. You can't force the bit, but man, uh, it still every now and then comes up. I'm like, eh, am I Ride of the Hills on this? <laughs> uh, I'm giving myself one award here. I'm actually sharing it with Kathleen Mocklin. Uh, this is best vocal performance by a duo when she and I impromptu uh, did a duet singing uh, The Kiss, uh, the Freddie Mercury song uh, that plays when Aura wakes Flesh up. Yeah, that was an impromptu duet. Yeah. And, uh, not, 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 not. Kathleen's a good singer. And I'm not. So no, uh, you, you kept up. You kept up. You, you knew how to stay in your lane. <laughs> uh, the Bringing the Knowledge Award, Julia Ingham, when we were discussing the, vault, the Zarkov Mindwipe, just nailed us with the knowledge about what all the imagery uh, in the mind wipe uh, meant, and, and Brett and I were just left speechless. Uh, Julia's wonderful. The, the, the Inghams are great. And, uh, you know, it's... And Julia, she, she always brings the, her A-game. She's, she's the brains of that, uh, that operation. Rick's awesome, but he brings the passion, she brings the brains. Good mix, good mix. Uh, longest episode award. This one might, might interest you, Brad, because I, I wonder if you know this or not, or if you don't pay attention. And I, I had, I went on our iTunes feed to see this. Joe Stuber in minute forty-six. Um, the the, the uh, description of that minute is where Flash bluffs Aura into helping him contact Dale. Came in at forty-eight minutes and twenty-one seconds. By the way, which I'm pretty sure we just beat up with this episode. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, eh, we won't count this episode. This is a, this is a very this is a very special Flash Gordon minute. Also, congratulations to Joe Stuber, uh, Comic Book Central, just hitting their five year anniversary. Yes, well done. Love Joe's podcast. Um, go check him out. Gets great interviews with uh, all all kinds of people, including numerous people uh, from the show. He's had Sam Jones. He's had Melody Anderson. Definitely check out uh, Comic Book Central, Joe Stuber. Yeah. You catch their fifth anniversary episode. Uh, you might hear a cameo from uh, some folks from here. Yes, you might. That's true. Uh, late night dedication award. R- uh, Rory Spence, uh, because as Brad mentioned earlier, we usually start recording 9 p.m. Eastern time. Well, Rory Spence lives in Scotland. So it was two or three in the morning when we started recording with him, his episodes, which means it was like four or four thirty in the morning when we were finished now that so uh well done that poor sob yeah just died the next day <laughs> farthest guest award as i mentioned we had people from all over the world jack stovold living in japan appearing on our show yeah uh, and i, I could have talked to him all day about living in japan 
yeah. just a real adventure that he's living. So, uh, and the Stovolds in general are just great, uh, but that was really cool. The I Can't Believe We Actually Got Him on the Show Award, Charles W. Chuck Bryant from Stuff You Should Know. Oh, he was awesome. He was awesome. Um, and, and I've become a real fan of uh, that show and that network since he was on. So we was really glad we could have him on. The Late Inning Pinch Hitter Award goes to Tim Blevins. We had a guest lined up who that morning canceled on us, and we were like, oh, you know, we could go guestless, but we've been so good about having guests, and Tim Blevins, with only a few hours' notice, said, sure, I'll do it, hopped on, and uh, did an admirable job. Yeah, he brought his A-game. He knows his stuff, and he is a, he, he's a talker. I know we already thanked him, but I'm still going to give an award to Alex Robinson. for the. It's the We Owe You Our Very Existence Award. Yeah, it, it, just none of these shows would be around without Alex in uh, the Star Wars Minute. Uh, next to last award, the Whoa, We Got a Real Professional Who Works in the Movie Making Industry to Appear on the Show Award, going to Rob Pratt, Disney animator and creator of the Flash Gordon Classic uh, animated short. Couldn't be a nicer guy. And the shorts that he's done are fantastic. Everyone's got to go onto his uh, YouTube page and watch uh, Flash Gordon Classic and his Superman Classic cartoons. And last award goes to the Mike Dunleavy. He wins the Alternate Universe Co-Host Award. Nice guy. Uh, really knows his stuff. Uh, Aerosmith Mixtape, his podcast, is just, just fascinating concept. And uh, it would have been a great podcast with him. Uh, like I say, there's a, an alternate universe where it's uh, Eric and Mike uh, getting through the minutes, and it would have been fantastic. Uh, but I love our show, so uh, I, I'm glad he could be on as a guest. But I'm, I'm glad we've had our run. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I, I, my, I only have one more closing thought, Brad, and then I, I guess you can uh, get the final thought in. And um, I, I. Th- believe in thinking about it this is only the third time that we're actually going to be serious on this show uh so i'm kind of sorry for sticking a downer here right at the end of our last episode but uh this is very important to me a lot of times when we were recording our cat lucy would come over and would either sit next to me and meow at me and i'd have to tell her to shush or she'd start chewing on my cord uh, and I'd have to shove her away. And, uh, in between the weeks when we recorded minutes 78 to 80 and 81 to 83, Lucy uh, died. And she had been our cat for more than 10 years. She was only uh, 13 years old. And uh, Allison and I had adopted her from a, a shelter before we ever had kids. Uh, and so she was much more than a cat to us. She was our daughter. She was a sister to our two boys. Uh, and she meant a lot to us. And our, The four of us are very heartbroken. And so... This is all a, a, a build-up to me just saying that I, I am dedicating my portion of the show uh, in memory of Lucy S. Deutsch, the cat. Eric and I are sort of both in the same boat where, um, you know, we, both of us, when we got married, we, we, we all had our pets first. We had our pets first. Didn't we just make sure we could keep them alive and then maybe we'd be okay to be parents? And, uh, you know, I... I we lost. Uh, we've lost our first round of pets. We had a two wonderful cats and a great dog. Uh, and my wife and I have been married for a while. And you know, sadly, you know, the animals, uh, the pets don't get to make it the entire way with you. Um, and but you keep them in your heart. Um, you know, and I, I remember when when Lucy passed away. So uh, I, that was that was really sad for you and your family. So, but it was. Uh, it was nice that Lucy was a part of the show. She was she was always uh, hanging out with you while you were recording. 
which is the same as uh, over the course of the run of the show, uh, my family added members to the family. Uh, you know, our cat Mowgli and Boomer was growing up and, you know, sitting next to me during a lot of it. So, you know, we, we love our pets and, you know, uh, I'm sure Lucy is uh, yeah, over the rainbow bridge uh, chasing uh, chasing after string and all the other wonderful things, uh, you know, waiting for you guys. So, all right. So, so that wraps this up. Uh, you know, we, we've come to the end of the show and uh, it's just been a great time. And I'm uh, so glad for the people who've uh, been guests and uh, who've listened to us. We've had amazing um, li- listener interaction. So, um, you know, Eric, I'm feeling really great. Uh, this has just really been an, an exciting, a wonderful time. And uh, thank you so much for, for making this happen. But, uh, well, actually, yeah. Oh, did, did, did we, we didn't talk about our top 10 comic book movies. Oh, right. We were going to do that. That's right. Eh, let's, let's do that for. All right. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Yeah. Since Flash Gordon is a comic book movie. Uh, we thought, why not share with you all lovely listeners, what are Eric and Brad's top ten all-time comic book movies? Take it away, Brad. And it's in no particular order, because I didn't want to go through the effort of putting it in the order. Oh, same here, yeah. This is just ten. I'll, I'm, I'm listing mine in alphabetical order, yeah. Go ahead. So, I'll start with uh, Spider-Man, the, uh, the, the the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man film. And uh, a lot can be said for other the other movies, and I know a lot of people consider Spider-Man 2 to be the better film, and people certainly love uh, Homecoming. But for me, that first Spider-Man movie just showed what a Spider-Man movie could be. And it was a completely different, different sort of superhero movie where the way he moved uh, was just very different. Um, the Crow, I love The Crow. And I don't know if it's held up, but it was a great comic book movie because it was R-rated and really dark. And Brandon Lee really showing, uh, sadly, in the, his last role of his life, just how much of a star he could be. Uh, one of the classics, Superman. The, the first Christopher Reeve Superman film. Uh, just a perfect uh, a perfect marriage of actor and character. And Christopher Reeves made it look so easy being Clark Kent and Superman. And nobody's been able to do it as well. Um, something that another one that I don't know how well it's held up, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that was a fun movie, and also it was another one where the the martial arts work in that first movie was really pretty great, and uh, God bless the poor actors stuck in those costumes doing those moves. Uh, a couple Batman films, uh, Dark Knight, Heath Ledger as the Joker was um, just really impressive. Uh, his performance and that movie itself. Um, there's some plot holes that don't necessarily hold up well after the thousands viewing, but every time that's on TBS or TNT or whatever cable station, and uh, I will stop and watch Heath Ledger as the Joker. Just a really perfect performance. And then also the original Michael Keaton Batman film. Um, another one where you watch it with the passage of time, Michael Keaton wasn't able to move well in that costume, but uh, the tone and the feel of that movie was uh, really just stunning. Um, then, uh, three more to go. Uh, one was uh, Frank Miller's Sin City. Loved that movie. Uh, had a great look, and it just felt so much like a comic book come to life. And I always enjoyed the Sin City comic. So it was great to see that um, such a almost slavish devotion to the original material, uh, which you don't see as much as you would like to sometimes. 
Um, then uh, number two here is Avengers. And uh, Avengers, I will rewatch that every now and then. That movie still holds up. The plot is pretty tight. And just them getting all those characters in one place at one time and it not being a complete disaster is really amazing. Uh, especially after you seeing the Justice League movie from last year, which was a big mess. Although I did enjoy that a little bit. Um, but Avengers was really a pretty tight movie that could have been a disaster. And my number one, and I do love this movie. This is probably my favorite comic book movie, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, I can watch the fight scene in the elevator a thousand times a day. That is a great, tight, tense scene from beginning to end. And uh, the movie around that scene is fantastic as well. And Captain America, never necessarily my favorite character. And uh, the first Captain America movie was comparatively weak. And that wasn't he wasn't the best character in Avengers, and all of a sudden they were able to completely dial in what made him work. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be my number one, is Captain America Winter Soldier. All right, very nice list. Well, I'll, I'll, the first three I'll do then are the three that we share. Uh, since you already went in depth to them, I won't add too much. Um, I also have in my top ten the original Spider-Man, uh, the 1989 Batman, and Captain America the Winter Soldier. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that elevator scene, uh, I, that is just... What an incredible scene that is. And I remember the first time watching that scene, uh, as he starts to realize what's going on, I'm like, I was just like, oh, this is going to be such a good fight. <laughs> so those are three Those are three that I share with Brad. Uh, so my other seven, uh, Spider-Man 2, which was one of the reasons I was so happy to uh, be a guest on uh, Spider-Man 2 Minute. Iron Man, the movie that started the MCU. Captain America Civil War. I know a lot of people felt that it was... A bit much, but I don't care. I, I absolutely love that movie. Thor Ragnarok was not a fan, really. The, the first two Thor movies really disappointed me, but that third one just completely hit a home run. I love Thor Ragnarok. Heavy Metal, uh, the, uh, the the animated movie from the early 80s based on the Heavy Metal magazine. I consider that a comic book movie. I, I absolutely love that movie. I think it's uh, probably my favorite animated movie as well. Uh, and so I got uh, I got two left. Uh, my second, uh, none of those were in particular order, but these two are. My number two comic book movie, uh, as we're recording this, came out this year. I am I am 43 years old. I was 42 when I saw this movie, and uh, Avengers: Infinity War is just it absolutely blew me away. It is the movie that I had been waiting 30 years to see ever since I read the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity War comic books. It completely delivered. There wasn't anything disappointing to me about that movie. The fighting is great. The acting is great. The plot was tight. Um, I think that this movie is absolutely amazing. I have watched it a whole bunch of times already, and I'm sure I'll watch it a whole bunch of times more in my life. And of course, my number one comic book movie, and this is absolutely amazing that Brad did not include it in his top ten, of course, is Flash Gordon. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, of course, Flash Gordon. <laughs> now, here, I'm, I'm going to surprise you with something here, because that's what I do. Um... What would be? What, do you have something you would consider to be the worst comic book movie? Oh, okay. Uh, let's let's. I, I'm sure I do. The first one popping into my head is the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Spidey is my number one comic book character. He was the big one when I was a kid. He still is, and that movie just it's just so awful to me on so many levels. I'll go with Amazing Spider-Man Two. 
sadly, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, and it could have worked well. I like Andrew Garfield. I thought he could be a good Spider-Man, and I liked his chemistry with Emma Stone. Jamie Foxx was a nightmare in that film. And then shoe, shoehorning in Green Goblin at the end of the movie. Because Jamie Foxx felt like... He, he felt like a Joel Schumacher villain. Yes. He, he was so over yes. the top and goofy, and um, the powers didn't make sense and what they were doing with him. And then um, having Green Goblin show up to kill... Basically to kill Gwen Stacy, it didn't... And it felt so last minute. Um, yeah, I'm with you with that. For me, the worst comic book adaption I ever seen, and it wasn't even that I was a fan, fan of the original content, but Barb Wire. <laughs> I, ne- I never saw that one. <laughs> it's one that I that popped on like one of the cable channels, and everything about it just was terrible. First off, it was a weird period of time where they were thought that they could take Pamela Anderson's fame and make her a movie star, and she couldn't have been any less interested in being an actress. She didn't try. She didn't care. Barbed Wire was a sort of a semi-interesting independent comic, but taking a bored lead actress and then the amping up the sex in it, but not really because she couldn't even be bothered to like ramp up the sexiness. They just tied her into a tight outfit with a lot of cleavage, but then there was no real plot. There was no real action. It was just sort of there. What is frustrating with that is, aside from it's always frustrating to see somebody who is given an, a, this incredible opportunity to be a, a, a star and not wanting to do it, and then that was a point where there weren't a lot of comic book movies, and every time something failed like that, it would make it that much harder for the next movie to come out. Yeah, good point, yeah. Especially when you have a female-led movie where, you know, this is on around the same time as Catwoman failing and Aeon Flux not too long after that where it was all these genre pictures with female leads and they all just big swing and a miss. That's why it took so long for Wonder Woman film and Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and Wasp because so they could point to movies like this and it was a failure because you had a disinterested lead, a mess of a movie that was really ugly looking and cheap. So, yeah, that... Barbed Wire, that movie nobody cares about, but I'm going to bring it up. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Eric. Well, I think I think we've done it. We have done it. We've done it. And I'm feeling great, and I'm looking forward to you know the adventure continuing at Cosmic Geppetto. And everybody keep subscribed because you never know when something else will pop into this feed if we're able to get a cool interview or something like that. But, Eric, I think my voice is going. We have work tomorrow, and I'm feeling pretty great. You know, I, I, uh, I, I do have a concern. Even at the end. Even at the end, you have a concern. I, You know, now the end, I, it's like, what am I going to do without Flash, and more importantly, Eric, in my life every week? <laughs> well, if you're feeling lonely, and you're finding yourself in the bottom of a bottle, and you're just like, you know, I used to be someone. I used to host a podcast, damn it. People listened to me, and they liked me, and now I got nothing. Don't worry about it, Brad. Flash will save every one of us. Woo! Got it. Holy shit. We did it. Attention, listeners. 
follow us on Twitter on Flash Gordon Pod. Join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for the next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. You know, this is our last outro for Flash Gordon Minute, Jessa. I'm sure gonna miss it, Marin. Because you like being a part of the creative process? No, because most of these bits center around how hot I am. Oh, of course. Because it's always all about you, Jessa. It's always you. It sure is. I can't help it that Brad likes me better than you. Oh, Brad, well, Brad just thinks you're hot. It's just this whole complex he has. And it's on something you share, this complex you have about appearance, and I he just can't... uses my voice for the growler media, and not it's... yours. Okay, you didn't have to bring that up. You didn't have to bring that... Oh, that la- don't, don't laugh at me like that. Don't do that. You know I hate it. Okay, we're, take, we're taking this outside.
Sister, sister.